But as we say, each and every week, we're trying to look at these laws for life because I really do believe uh, that the commandments are given to us not as burdens. It's not as a legalistic law. Um, These are words of God from a loving God who knows you better than you know yourself. And God is offering guidance to us as we look at these uh, Ten Commandments over the next few weeks. And so one of my hopes and goals of this is that you actually learn them, uh, learn about them, but also can name them. Uh, And so that's one of your challenges each and every week. So somebody tell me what is commandment number one? No other gods. gods. Okay. Somebody tell me uh, commandment number two. No idols. All right. What about commandment number three? Do not use God's name in vain. Uh, Do not use the name of Yahweh in a way that it is insignificant. Uh, And so today we're going to look at the fourth commandment. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your task, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. Because Yahweh has made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And these are words, as I said, of a loving God. A loving God who knows you, created you, and sustains you. Now, this week, I'm not trying to embarrass her, but I will tell you this week is my wife's birthday. Um, Yay. I'll pay for that when I get home, but this is my wife's birthday. Uh, But... I understand, Nash, Lindsay, it's y'all's birthday as well, right? Uh, So I want to acknowledge that. Anybody else having a birthday this week? You can raise your hand. You said we're not singing to you. It's just, uh, I just want to include you in my story. Uh, So this week is, is Claire's birthday. And with Claire's birthday comes a very important event in the life of our family. And that event is the tag registration uh, for Lydia's car. Now, I say that because all of our cars are in registration in mine and Claire's name, so it's based on my birthday. We only have one car, which is Lydia's car, that is on Claire's birthday, and so it kind of is a little bit out of whack for us. Uh, A few years ago, uh, Claire uh, was pulled over by the police uh, for not having tag registration. Uh, Now, I'm going to get there, don't worry. So Claire's pointing at me to remind me that this was my fault, uh, and, and it was. Uh, Claire, when she got pulled over and the police told her that she did not have tags, she would explain to them very quickly that her husband had done this and had taken care of it, and it was all, sit, it was all on our kitchen cabinet. I had just not taken the chance to put the tag sticker on the car. Um, now, I don't know if you know that, but we have a computerized system now in the state of Georgia, and so they could tell Claire that that is not true. Uh, your husband has not taken care of it. Uh, your husband has not paid for the tag and, and has done nothing to help you uh, with regards to that. Um, now, all of that is to try to get you to realize that 
for two months, I had gotten notice that that tag needed to be renewed. Right? When you get a tag renewal, you get that ahead of time. Uh, the way we work is I, I had put that in my stack. So when I paid bills, every time I saw that piece of paper that told me that I needed to get her tag renewed. I did everything that I was supposed to do except for the very one thing which needed to be done, which was actually get the tag. Right? I say all of that because the truth is, at the heart of that, I did not respect my family and show honor to my family the way that I should have. Because I didn't do the one thing that I needed to do. Right? That's what we're talking about when we think about this commandment that God gives us. And I say that to you, it's not a confession to get your approval. It's the reality my guess would be is there are many of you who find yourselves in the very same situation. It may be a different situation. I want us to be brave today. And so I'm going to ask those, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And if you're in the sanctuary, I want you to raise your hand if this, if you answer yes to this question. For those who are online, you can type in the word or you can just say, this is me or me if you want to. Uh, and, and you would answer to each question this way. Uh, so how many of you have ever felt as though in life you are overcommitted? Keep your hands up. For those online, type in this is me because this is us acknowledging and being brave as a congregation to say that I feel that way. All right, you can put your hands down. How many of you have ever thought this phrase, there are not enough hours in the day? Raise your hand, keep them up. Hopefully online, you're typing in this is me if that is you. All right, so let's put it down. You got both hands up over there. Uh, I don't know what that means, but... Uh, but, okay, so, so how, about, how about this? This one's going to scare me a little bit. So for those of you who are retired, how many of you would say this? That you are busier now. You already got your hands up. See, you are busier now than you ever were when you worked. Okay, put your hands up. Leave them up. Because I want those of us who still work to realize how scary this is. Right? I mean, this, this is depressing to me. But this is the reality that we find ourselves in. There was a study that was done for people who, who are currently working full-time, and they got them to talk about whether they felt as if they were um, on the edge of burnout or if they were at burnout. And I want you to hear these statistics. 23% of the people who work full-time said not only are they near burnout, but they are there. They are at burnout. 44% said that they feel burnout or they're on the edge of burnout most of the time but if not most of the time, some of the time. I want y'all to think about those. If you can add those up, 67% of the workforce, two-thirds of the people, almost 70% say that they feel burnout some of the time, if not most of the time, if not all of the time. And this is just work. This doesn't, have, this doesn't take into account cooking, going to the grocery store, cleaning, taking care of family members, yard work, anything that you have to do. And people who are a lot smarter than me tell us that burnout affects so much of our life beyond just simply physical. It affects our physical being, but it also causes our 
relationships to suffer. It causes us to not be the people that we want to be. So I say this to you is this tendency that we find ourselves in, almost all of us raised our hand, this tendency that we find ourselves in as human beings, God answers with the fourth commandment. Keep the Sabbath holy. Keep the Sabbath holy. If you know the story of the Israelites, the Israelites were enslaved and it was at a time when they were doing the pharaoh was doing big building projects Uh, and so the big building projects required big building supplies and so they needed lots of bricks and so he had the slaves bring the straw and the mud together and build the bricks because they were big projects they had to work non-stop to do this so the israelite slaves literally worked seven days a week sun up to sundown Nonstop. There was no such a thing as a weekend, a day off. And they even changed, if you know their story, they even changed the way they did it to where they had to go get their own straw. So now they had to go get their own straw. They didn't get straw provided for them. They had to get it, bring the mud, still put the bricks, and they couldn't have any less number of bricks than what they had when they started. They had to work over and over and over again in order to be able to do this. And so God hears the cries of the Israelites. He hears the cries of them and their prayers, and he delivers them through Moses. And they are taken to Mount Sinai, and they sit at the base of Mount Sinai. Now, what we have to remember is along the way, God provided for them. Does anybody remember how did God provide for them? Manna, manna from heaven. God sent down white substance that they were able to pick up. It came down while like the dew, and they were able to pick that up, rub it together. They were able to make food out of that. And so God, it was literally God's provision for them. And he says to them, on Friday, I am going to give you double portion. So you collect that. You make it all up. But on Saturday, I want you to rest. I don't want you to, to have to cook. So I will provide for you in this way. I want Saturday to be a day of rest. I challenge you to go back and look. I I think this is the first time in history where you see a people group told to take a day off. That's how God answers them. we got to remember they lived in an agrarian society. And what does that mean? That means cows had to be milked every day right crops had to be tended to every day and so when God says this to the people of Israel he says something in a very new and profound way I'm doing something new you are created as a people group in order or you are created to have a day off to be able to rest and all of that that is done is given to the people of Israel before the commandments are ever given to Moses And so Moses goes up the mountain, God speaks to Moses, and he formalizes this concept, this understanding of Sabbath. Listen to these words again in Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your task, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to Yahweh your God. Do not do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. 
because Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Listen, no other Middle Eastern figure, no mythological figure, no ruler, no king. I can't see anything in, in anybody else in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world that does this, that ever says human beings need a day off, that we need a day of rest. I'm telling you because it's something that is profoundly important given to us by Yahweh, our creator, that this is how he created us. And it wasn't just for the mothers and fathers who were working full time. It was for the sons and the daughters. It was for the animals. In essence, it is Yahweh saying creation. Creation needs a day of rest. It's the longest commandment that is given to us. If you go and read them, it's the longest commandment. And I think it comes, it comes right before the moral commandments of do not kill, do not steal. And I think in essence, it's, it's a way of, of God saying that you need to get this. This is important because in order to be able to accomplish the other ones, you need this day of rest. You need a day of relaxation. Does anybody know what the, what the Torah says is the penalty for breaking the fourth commandment? Anybody know? Death. Yeah, death. I mean, that's what the Torah says is the penalty for this. Now, does that mean that I think that God is going to punish me to death if I break the fourth commandment? I, 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 I don't think that that is necessarily what I'm trying to convey. What I, I do think that God is trying to say to us is this commandment is important. I think it's more of maybe metaphorical is the right way of thinking about the fact that if we work at a pace seven days a week, sun up to sundown, if we work at a pace that is unsustainable, it will kill us. We will not be able to be the people that God created us to be. Now, observant Jews, if you talk to someone who is an observant Jew, they will tell you that their understanding of Sabbath is quite different. Now, we sometimes criticize. We move like the ladies in the video and, and say that it's legalism. Uh, we, we even sometimes make fun of some of the things that they do. And I would really just challenge you again, just like we did with the first commandment, I, I, would, I would learn from the, from the Jewish people on what they understand. Because to an observant Jew, everything is built around Sabbath. Their identity, who they are as a people. They operate their calendars based on Sabbath. They work looking for Sabbath. It's all based around the Shabbat. They rest, they have a time where it's important for them to, to renew and to be intimate with God. They see like it's an imitation of God. It's a time of family and friends and food and laughter. It's a time of rest and recreation. It's a time of regenerating your soul. It's a gift, literally a gift given to them by God, their creator and their sustainer. And I think about how they view it. And how I view it. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just telling you how I view it. 
But my suspicion would be is that many of us think the same way. I want to follow the principle of Sabbath. I'll get up on that day and I'll say this. Let me just check my emails. Let me just check my emails. Let me just see what messages I have. Let me just check with Diane and see if anything's going on in the life of the church. And before I know it, a few hours have gone by and then I begin to work on the things that we need done at the house. And by the end of Sabbath, I am exhausted. Literally exhausted. And what does God say? God says, keep the Sabbath and make it holy. Holy means to recognize that the day belongs to God, not to me. And God is the one who gets to tell me what to do with that day. To rest. I don't get to necessarily choose. It's a day for me to connect to God and to hear the Holy Spirit and to to be reinvigorated and to be able to hear the Holy Spirit tell me the things in my life that I need to change in order to be able to be the person that God wants me to be. In order for me to be able to revere God and to hallow his name, I've got to spend time in God's presence, right? And the purpose is so that I can go out the other six days and do all the tasks, do all the good that God wants me to go and do. I can't do that. You can't do that exhausted. We need this day because God created us in order to be able to have this day. The ancient Israelites, they struggled with it just like we do. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to flip back or flip over to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, it starts this way and then I'll I'll read it. But it says, if you stop trampling the Sabbath... So that tells us that they were trampling the Sabbath because he wouldn't have had to tell them to stop if they weren't doing it. So stop trampling the Sabbath. Listen to how the rest of this verse goes. Stop doing whatever you want on my holy day and consider the Sabbath a delight, sacred to Yahweh, honored, and honor it instead of doing things your way, seeking what you want and doing business as usual. Then you will take delight in Yahweh. I will let you ride on the heights of the earth. I will sustain you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob. The mouth of Yahweh has spoken. There are blessings, church. There are blessings when we as God's people treat the Sabbath day holy. One article I read from the Jewish perspective said that they do not ask God for anything on the Sabbath. They simply praise God. I didn't know that, that they, they, they asked God on the other six days, but on the Sabbath day, they simply just praise God. They don't ask him for anything because God has shown them to be a God who rests on the seventh day. And so they want to allow God to rest. And so they don't ask him for anything. Every other day they do. And so I thought about this, that Jesus as a, as a Jewish rabbi, What did we see him do on the Sabbath? Did he, we did see him heal. Did did he necessarily follow all of the rigid rules of the Jewish understanding of what Sabbath meant? No, we didn't. He, he, He did heal on the Sabbath. 
you see them beginning to ask questions of like, how, how do we actually live into this? How do, we, how do we follow this and be obedient? And I think about us for COVID. So COVID, we say, okay, we're going to wear masks. We're going to wear masks throughout the service. That's what we're going to do. But yet we try to struggle with it, right? I have groups that will send, send me an email that says, hey, can we, can we go into Sunday school class and uh, not wear our mask if everybody is fully vaccinated? No, currently our rule is we wear the mask. I had somebody ask this morning, can, can we sing? I mean, we're just trying to qualify, right? Can we sing in our, in our Sunday school groups? Um, can, we, can I take the mask off? I mean, you take it off when you preach. Can I take that off when I lead my Sunday? These are all just ways that we're trying to understand the rule and trying to clarify. We're not trying to break the rule necessarily. We just, we just want to understand. This is what they're doing. And so they're trying to figure out what do you, what do, you do? How do, you, how do you not work on a particular day? What does that classify? And so they came up with 39 different categories of ways that you work. And then each category, they had to then break that category down. They had to define the category and go, okay, but what does that mean to say you can't uh, shear the sheep? What if I do this? What if I do that? And they came up with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that you cannot do. So the observant Jew today... They cannot separate bad fruit from good fruit on the Sabbath because that is in the category of harvesting. They can't cut their fingernails on the Sabbath or go get your hair cut on the Sabbath because that's in the category of shearing the sheep. They can't make soap into lather, can't turn off an electric light. All of these are ways that they understand what does it mean to work so you have thousands of, and somewhere along the way, does the Sabbath become a way where we are not experiencing the delight and the gift the way that God wants us to? And I think that's what Jesus, when Jesus teaches us that this is, it's not about the rules, it's about, it's about the, the relationship that you have with God. And so Jesus is in the synagogue. He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath and people who want to experience healing come to Jesus because they've seen him in other places be able to heal. And the religious leaders are like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12 tells us this story. Listen to what it says. Jesus left the place and went into their synagogue. A man with a withered hand was there. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, they asked, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? They knew the answer to that question when they asked it, right? The religious leaders already knew that the law said, no, you cannot. And so Jesus replied, who among you has had a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? They'd already made the decision that you could do that because if the sheep fell into the pit, it would die if they didn't pull it out. And that was power, that was money that they had to. So they'd already made the decision they could do that. And so Jesus says, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did it and it was made healthy just like the other one. The Pharisees went out and met in order to find a way to destroy Jesus. They wanted to destroy him because he did not follow the rules the way that they understood them to be. Jesus was trying to say, look, the Sabbath is a gift for you. I want all of y'all to hear that the Sabbath day is, is a gift that God has given you. And he wants it to be a day where you're meant to 
if you see somebody who needs to just experience a blessing, bless them, right? Don't just say, okay, well, there's, there's a rule that I can't do that. Do, do the good that God desires for you to do. It's not a day about work. It's a day about being human and being in a relationship. Mark chapter 2 tells us another story. Jesus is walking through the wheat fields and it's Sabbath and, and they're hungry and he begins to pluck the head of the grain, rub his hands together and they eat and the religious leaders see him and they say, you cannot do that because you can't harvest grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2 verse 27. He said the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans, the, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift for you. It was meant, Jesus never tells us that the Sabbath isn't important. He never tells us to violate the Sabbath. He just understands what the Sabbath is about. It's about rest and renewal and regeneration. And I say this to you because when we think about the commandments, this is my biggest struggle. I know the other commandments. And I'm going to preach in a couple weeks on do not kill. And I know Jesus changes that up and it changes us to look at it, things differently. Um, and I know that I have the capacity within me to, to be ugly to people and to be harmful. But, but I don't really struggle with that commandment. I don't, I don't really covet a whole lot. Probably do some. I, I don't struggle with adultery. But let me tell you, this one gets me every time that I feel led to preach on it. Because I feel like I can always cram one more thing into my day. I take on more commitments than I should. I disregard the Sabbath. And I don't say that to you because I want you to do that. I say that because my guess would be as so many of us find ourselves in the exact same way. And we're never going to be the people that God wanted us to be. We're never going to be the people that God created us to be if we don't observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. I've gotten better over the last few years. But I'm not where I need to be. And so I invite you just to challenge yourself to think about your life. Are you where God wants you to be? Because I have learned one thing over the last few years. I'm the one who makes the mess. I'm the one who says yes to one more commitment. I'm the one who, if the conference calls me and says, hey, will you be on this committee? As much as I don't want to be on it, I'll say yes. I'm the one who checks the emails. I'm the one who didn't do the one thing that I needed to do more than anything else. And I think behind that is this concept of Sabbath. I love what Ron Arthur wrote. He said this, all living things, y'all listen to this quote, all living things thrive only by an ample measure of stillness. All living things thrive only by an ample measure of stillness. I want you to, to go back in your head to the verse in Isaiah. Stop trampling the Sabbath. Stop trampling this gift that God gives you. And what's God's promise? I will let you ride to the heights of the earth. Do y'all hear that? 
I will let you ride to the heights of the earth. Listen to God, who is your creator and your sustainer, when he says, I'm giving you a gift. What, what is it that brings you joy? For those of you who say, you know what, I love, love, love to be around each other. Okay, find some time. We, we, we're now in a position where you can do some of that. Get together with a friend and, and, and enjoy each other's company. For those of you who like to read, pick up a book and begin to read something. Go outside and take a walk. Do more of those type of things that give you joy and give you, allow you to rest and regenerate and connect with God. My guess would be, and I won't make you raise your hand to this, my guess would be based on the hands that were raised earlier. I know the answer. How many of you, other than worship, other than saying I'm going to get up and come to church or I'm going to get up and join online, other than worship, how many of you have any intentional plan to keep this day holy for the rest of the day? One person has his hand up. Two people. Three. Good. Y'all already have a plan. Most of us don't. This is our version of keeping the Sabbath holy. It's bigger than that. It's what you do from this point, too. Go home and, you know, if you've got grandchildren, FaceTime your grandchildren and spend some time laughing with them. If you don't have grandchildren and you want to go out to dinner if you can, or have, cook a meal, have a meal together, look for ways to be able to have joy in your life and give God the praise for it and connect to the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. It's a gift. What are you going to do with it? Keep the Sabbath day holy. God says, I've created you. I sustain you. This is what you need. Let's don't just cram one more thing into the day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you praise for the gift of Sabbath. And for God, for those of us who acknowledge our struggle, forgive us. You tell us in your word that when we confess our sin before you, that you are declare us righteous in this moment. And so I can only speak for myself. But Lord, when I trample your day, forgive me. Allow me to feel your Holy Spirit in this moment. May we do it different. May we do it different because you desire that for us. You've created that for us. May we give you all the praise and all the glory as we go about this day. And may we keep it holy for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.